Mr. Fiona. Number 154. This one's magnificent. The Fiona's Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, you Theonificats out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The The Theonauts! Let's do that again. And together we are... The The Theonauts! Sorry. It never works right. Yeah, we blew that. Hey, David. Hey, Jeremiah. Man. We missed a week, man. It's my fault. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I just like hold myself up in my room, <laughs> put on some sad music. It's, it is Christmas time. They, they, yeah, it's it's kind of hard. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, I mean, there's a lot going on though. Yeah, yeah. It's also you know one of the most depressing times of the year for is people. It? Yeah, are you depressed? like there's more suicides that happen this time of year? That's true. It's a messed up thing, man. <sighs> so depressing. Those mm. miserable Christmases. <laughs> Anyways. I'm touching my eyes, oh lord. <laughs> so, how are you? I'm uh, doing good, actually. Yeah. 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 I'm not uh, as cruddy as I have been over the past few weeks, for whatever reason. That's you know? nice. Uh, it's it's all gone. It is kind of late, though, so I kind of got this just normal late <coughs> yeah. thing going on. Man, my wife cannot stop coughing. Yeah. I haven't slept in like three days, because it's all night. <coughs> I'm like, oh, poor yeah. girl, but, you know, there's nothing she can do about it, really. Like, oh, you're not like, knock it off! <laughs> if you're going to do that, go into the other room. Yeah, go sleep on the couch. No, <laughs> I would not do that to my wonderful <laughs> wife. Then I would be sleeping on the couch indefinitely. So, no, no. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, she's dealt with the crud, like your wife has. Yeah, she's been dealing with it, too. Yeah. She's just now getting to where she's not, you know. Totally freaking out about it. Yeah. So everything else is going good. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm off for Christmas break. Yeah. Started off yesterday for my first day off Christmas break, and it's been nice and slow times. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, it's been all it's been all kinds of crazy busy. Yeah. Uh, but we've been doing having lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had. Well, let's see. We had my in laws Christmas last weekend or this past weekend, just because. Um, my sister-in-law was in town from yeah. Washington, D.C. and You uh, went and watched Star Wars together? Yes. We went and saw The Last Jedi. Uh-huh. And, so, and you saw that, too. I did. It was amazing to me. I, I loved really? it. I, yeah, the more I sit and think about it, the more I like it. It's just, there are some things that, of course, I, I didn't like. And it's so much mirrors Return yeah. of the Jedi that I'm no spoilers or yeah, anything. Yeah, no but, spoilers. But I'm... I'm a mixed bag on it. Yeah. I am kind of almost all these new Star Wars movies, really. But, um, you know, because I'm a Star Wars fan, but there's a lot of things that that they did great. Like, there were things in this movie that I loved. Yeah. Um, But then there were things in this movie that I thought, really? Come on, why are you doing this? Or (laughs) And there was a couple of things that I know it sounds weird to have. uh, (laughs) In fact, I think there was a Babylon Bee about it. 
about how uh, Star Wars fans grapping about unbelievable things happening in it. <laughs> right, in it's a galaxy like, far, far this away. This is Star Wars. Right. But <clears throat> in defense of that argument, uh, there were things in this movie that were plot holes, in my opinion. Like things that that even in the universe we're supposed to be suspending our disbelief in doesn't make sense. Right. So there was a couple of things like that that bugged me. Uh, but, you know, overall, I, th- I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. I mean, it was it was fun. It, I think it's the most uh, polarizing of the Star Wars movies. Like I've heard horrible reviews and I've heard great reviews. Right, and I mean it's just like Star Wars fans are kind of divided Dividing. over this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I I thought it was good overall. I can't wait to see where they take it. Yeah, I I really like Kylo Ren more than anything else. I liked his character. In this movie. Mm-hmm. I still gotta say. I think out of all the newer Star Wars movies, Rogue One is still kind of my favorite. Oh, it's such a good movie. It's mm. on Netflix right now. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. In fact, right now as we speak, Dylan has his friends over watching At it. At your house? Yeah, because they've never watched it before. Who hasn't watched <coughs> it? Well, Dylan hasn't ever watched it. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> so Wow, that's cool. They're sitting him down to watch it. Well, um, and I just saw a little short little video clip on YouTube that, that really nailed it for me. So one of the things I really like about Star Wars is the is the heroism the yeah. honor right <clears throat> the sacrifice you know that whole thing sure and Rogue One is full of that yeah now you know George Lucas took a lot of his ideas from Akira Kurosawa which was a Japanese film uh, maker who did Seven Samurai and all these other samurai really movies. I didn't know he did that yeah uh, there's a there's a movie called The Hidden Fortress which is largely where Lucas got a lot of the storyline from of Star Wars. He got it from this. So is there like a force entity in this? No, no. It's all feudal Japan. Oh, really? <clears throat> but uh, it has like it's told from the aspect of these two uh, uh, peasants who are basically R two D two and C three PO. They're the same personalities, really? and then there's this whole scene with them wandering through the desert, lost. And the community, the the back and forth communication between them is the same, the exact same thing that that R two D two and C three PO did in the desert of Tatooine. Wow! So I mean, it's 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 very interesting how much he mirrored it. There's right. a there's a le- there's a princess who is held captive, and it's up to the heroes of the show to, to rescue the rescue princess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it has a lot of similarities. But uh, the cool thing about it is that it it has this. The honor of the samurai, like uh, the Jedi, are kind of the samurai, samurai. Mm-hmm. warriors, and so that's one reason I really <clears throat> like it. And this little video clip was was showing how well they those things fit together, and showed how Rogue One is probably the most bushido or you know samurai of the stories. You know, they even include Asian characters, right? That have that whole same type of samurai mentality. Sure, and so yeah, I, I so I really like Rogue One. I think it's a really cool, yeah, movie. I did too. It was really good, it's and they probably, don't have any baggage. Yeah, you know they they can do whatever they want. Exactly. So it's nice. <laughs> I love it. It was a really good movie. All right. Anyways, all right. You ready to dive on into let's, this? Let's uh, marry this Christmas up. Yeah, let's do it. Did you even get that pun? Not at all. It went totally over my head. Of course, <laughs> no. of course I got that pun. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny, and you didn't even laugh. Mary, this Christmas. Okay, up. well, I'm laughing now. Genius. 
It's genius. That was dadgum genius. You couldn't have, I mean, wow. I should be a writer for SNL. A merry, merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry did you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know what's funny is uh, about that song is like, Melanie loves that song. <laughs> like she, I used to like that. Like song she a lot. really likes the the message of the song, sure, and it's pretty and all this sort of thing. And I know you guys have a history with it that actually has really tainted that song I for you guys. Spice it. <laughs> you, have, you have no idea. But I didn't Seven have years that. in a row. It's so I didn't have that. So I don't. I don't actually hate on it quite as bad. I mean, I can see where it's melodramatic. <laughs> you think a little. <laughs> anyway. You know, Reliant K did a their own kind of version of that song. It's not that song, but I mean, they did their own. What was that? Uh, let it snow, let it reindeer album. Yeah, let it snow, baby, let it reindeer. Yeah, um, my favorite Christmas album, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, we we played it out here for the, the, the nativity. Oh yeah, uh, the other night. And oh, it's great! I love it. So, um, but there's a song on there that um, I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head. But it's asking—he's basically asking Jesus if he knew, knew yeah. he was going to be our savior whenever right. he was. Yeah, I know a baby. what you're talking about. I so. forget it. It's one of those. My <clears throat> favorite song on that is <clears throat> "In Like a Lion." Mm, mm-hmm. It's always winter, but never Christmas. Yeah. I just love that song so much. Yeah, it's uh, that whole Narnia. Beautiful thing. Beautiful. And I like the silly songs on there. Like I like their 12 Days of Christmas rendition, where he's like, what's a partridge? What's, what's a pear tree? tree? I, I don't know. know don't ask me. Ask me. Yeah. But I can tell you those are terrible gifts to give. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So anyway, we got a little sidetrack. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, so we are in the middle of our James study. Yes. <laughs> we have one more chapter. But we're not doing James. No, tonight. because it's Christmas. Well, if we had been able... Oh, really? Really? You're going to go there? Is that what you're going to do right now? Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Never mind. We're going to do James 5 next week. Exactly. <laughs> Better think twice. No, I'm joking. I totally agree. We did have, and I'm not, not to save this for the our feedback, feedback section, but we did have some feedback. We're, yes. Uh, was it Karen that was, yeah. that was asking us if we could do a... Um, on Facebook was asking if we could do like a just a read through of James like we did Philippians. Right. So yes, after the first of the year, I'm going to definitely do that. Right. And um, uh, it's only five chapters, so it should work out well. In your beautiful yes reading, I'll pull out my Burl Ives and <laughs> pipe. <laughs> yeah, my James Earl Jones <laughs> voice. <laughs> this this is going to be a crazy episode. All right. <laughs> I can already tell. Uh, okay, so it's Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, so Merry Christmas. Let's talk about. Okay, so there's all these things that we that that come up at Christmas time, and you know this. We're going to talk about the bag, the Magnificat. Okay, I don't know how you pronounce it. Is that a fancy cot somewhere? Yeah, in... it's the Magnificat. It, uh-huh. Uh huh. It's basically Mary's song. Yes. I don't know how it got that name, except for the fact that she does talk about my soul magnifies. And that's what we're going to, that's the whole fo- focus of the study. Yes. Because, man, dude, I have like a total crush on all the women in the Bible. <laughs> like, I. Even Jezebel? 
Well, <laughs> that, that's a secret crush. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Dude, we should do top 10 women in the Bible. Oh, yes. We need to do that. Mary Magdalene would become number one <laughs> for both of us, though. You know Mary? I do. Everybody who doesn't, who know, doesn't Mary? know Mary. That's <laughs> so horrible. I, okay, so yeah, but Mary. Backing up, uh, we've gone off the rails again. <laughs> Mary, the mother of Jesus, yes, is pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, and the reason why I say I kind of have a crush on them is just because the nature of the, these women love God so much. Yeah. And like, I don't think it was just an accident that Mary was chosen for this task. I mean, her nature shows through what we're going to be looking at. Sure. And she has this love for God. And a humbleness about her, and it, it's this song. It's like think about it for a minute. Like when you when you get some good news or you get some some uh, piece of information, do you usually just write a song on the spot? <laughs> I mean, that's very rare. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you don't just. I don't. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna hey, I'm gonna sing this song <laughs> because this is so awesome. <laughs> But that's what uh, Mary does. Mary does here, right? And I just love that about her. Sure. So um, I want to start by giving us a little backstory. Uh, so the angel, as of course you know, recap this whole story. An angel comes to Mary and says, "This is going to happen. Right. You're going to mother the son of God." Yes. Which that alone would be the most, you know, pass out type of news you could ever. Oh read. yeah. Receive. So, um, are you going to be my reader? Yes. Okay. So let's let's go to Luke one. And so uh, the book of Luke is really good about all this. Luke was a physician, and Luke also focuses on the humanity of Christ a whole right. lot. And um, <clears throat> so, naturally, any particular version you want? Uh no. Okay. Just whatever you want. Luke one. Luke one twenty six to thirty eight. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of God, the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So we get this little story <clears throat> of the angel coming in and giving her this news. And have you ever been in one of those conversations where someone tells you something kind of big or kind of 
uh, overwhelming, and you just really don't have much to say. So you're like, okay. And then whenever you leave, it's you're like, like, what? What the heck? Yeah. Did I did I just hear what I thought I heard? Yeah. And I kind of this is what I get. Sure. When I hear this, it's like she's probably just overwhelmed. Right. And in the presence of of this angel, she's confused. She doesn't know what he's even doing there. He's she's confused by his greeting. She's confused by what he tells her is going to happen. She's like, "I'm a virgin." Hell right, no, exactly. And uh, and so he has to kind of explain it to her a little bit. And her response is, "I'm a servant of the Lord, so let it be according to whatever you say." Yeah, whatever you say. Okay. <laughs> All right, I guess. So this, yeah. So it's kind of a you know an acceptance, but it's a. I don't know, uh, uh, you know, a lackluster. Sure. She doesn't like go crazy with this information, but he gives her a little piece of information in in relation to her cousin Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth is older, barren, and now with child. And so basically, what I get here is he's saying, "Look, if you don't trust what I'm telling you is going to happen, go talk to your uh, your cousin." Right. Because she is got this miraculous baby come in as well. Yeah. And so that's what she does. She goes and she visits uh, Elizabeth. And uh, so if we jump down to verse 41 to 45, this is where um, <clears throat> this is where Mary comes and actually visits right. Elizabeth. <clears throat> uh, what did you say? 43? 40, 41. 41. Got it. And when uh, sorry, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord was spoken to her from, well, fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Okay, so um, first off, we have the baby leaping. Yes. Which is really awesome because uh, I was thinking about this. This is John the Baptist. Yes. That's inside of her womb. Now, what is John the Baptist's job? Uh huh. To his John the Baptist's job is to proclaim the coming of Jesus. <laughs> right? right. He starts his job before he even is born. <laughs> Nobody else could say that. I was doing this before <laughs> I was born. I was doing this job <laughs> in the womb. Deal. Deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, I just think that's so cool because okay, so. She comes up, and the baby's like first thing pop gives her a good old kick in the diaphragm. Hey, the Lord's here! All right, this is it. This is it. And because of this, it says she's then filled with the Holy Spirit, and she gives she basically gives a prophecy. Like Mary hasn't said anything, right? She hasn't said, "Hey, Elizabeth, an angel came to me and gave me this news, and I'm coming to you to find out what's up." No, she just immediately says, you are blessed among women and blessed is the fruit of your of your womb, which, I, you know, at this point, it's like, that's not even knowledge. Uh-uh. Like, whoa. 
Like she knows what's about to happen. Right. And she also is this, why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord, so she knows what this baby's going to be and everything. So the Holy Spirit's really speaking to her and telling her, her exactly what's going on. Yeah. So uh, I just thought that was really a, a cool thing it's powerful. That, uh, that she says this. And she says, blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her. So even though she said, okay, whatever, and went on. She obviously believed. She obviously got it. And I think this is the kicker. Like when this happens. Literally. Yes. When this happens, this launches something in Mary. Like Mary at this point is overwhelmed. Right. Whereas before she was accepting and believing about it. Now she's overwhelmed with it. Right. In a good way. Right. And so the next thing that she does is she sings. Yeah. Like she just burst out in the song in verse 46 Mm. through 45. So let's go through that. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant Uh, for behold, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So the thing that I find really cool about this is that Mary Mary bursts, not only does she burst into song because she's happy, she bursts into praise. Yeah. Like she goes, most of this song is about God's character. Yes, very much. It's not even about what God's doing. It's not about the baby. It's not about it. It it, most of this song is praise to God for who He is and what He's already done. Right, and and His character. Like that—that's what she's doing. She's basically saying this is an example of what God does. Sure, and I. Uh, this is one of the things I really love about not only Mary but Elizabeth too. I mean, both both of them, they show this great humility, and I and and that's what her song basically is saying, right? God comes to the humble. Yeah. God comes to the poor. God comes to like He's focused on those who are abased. Yeah. So that he can exalt them. Yeah. And, you know, this, even though we're skipping James mm-hmm. for this week, this fits so well. This this entire song fits so well Good with, point. with what yeah. James has been talking about this entire time. Yeah, so we're, we're in the middle of James. We're still working it here. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is, Mary is proclaiming what Christ is coming to do before Christ is even three months old. Right. Right? Right. Which is... And one of Mary's other sons is going to write a book. (laughs) Exactly, about that (laughs) very thing. Yeah. And so the whole point is this. God is going to exalt the humble and bring down the proud. Yes. Through Jesus. He's going to establish (laughs) his kingdom. And, you know, this is, I mean, this was his call 
from the beginning. This is like almost the commission of Jesus in the womb in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because it, that's what he's, you know, it's that's what, what hits about. her. Exactly. Jesus's message hits Mary when she, at in while he's in the womb or, or while right. she's about to conceive him. Yeah. Th- that's so cool. Yeah. Like if you really stop and analyze what the message here is, she is singing Jesus's song. Mm. That's, oh, that's really good. Really good. And I'm glad that we're in the book of James. Exactly. Because that that does fit into exactly what James is trying to teach us throughout his entire letter. Right. So humility, like that's a big thing. Yes. And, you know, as we've been talking about, as we're going through, going through James, those of us who are in positions where we teach or where we, where we are pastoring, and it is really hard to maintain a spirit of meekness and humility yes. because people are constantly looking up to you. People are constantly asking you questions. People are constantly coming to you for counsel. And it's really easy to get the big head about that and yeah. forget that it's really God that is, right. that is providing the answers. Right, that's not me. It's- well, you got to think where he, where he goes to in order to who is who is this Mary to mm. begin with? Yes, he chooses the most humble. Yes, in order to to carry Jesus, which to begin with. which is exactly what she says in the song. Right, or um, uh, she, she says, "For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant." Mm. And uh, Elizabeth, what does she say whenever Mary walks up? And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? <laughs> this is her cousin. Right. Right? Why wouldn't my cousin come visit me? Exactly. I mean, we all have cousins that come visit. Especially sometimes, when I'm pregnant, six months pregnant. Right. You know? And sometimes we want them to leave. Yeah. But yeah. Amen. <laughs> Never. I'm joking. I love <laughs> it all It is my that time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she's basically saying, what, why do I get the privilege of... of meeting right now with the mother of my Lord. Mm. That is a humble statement. And so it's so admirable. Luke obviously loves these women too. Like he's, he treats them with such respect and with such uh, admiration in how he presents them in the story that uh, it really goes to the message of where we're we're gonna go, right? Because we want to look at what Mary's doing in this song, in her first statement where she says, "My soul magnifies the mm-hmm. Lord." That's why that we call this the magnificent, right? Is because it is a magnification. So part of the question comes in is, how do we get there? How do we get to the place where where Mary is short? Of some angel coming in and telling us that we're pregnant with the next <laughs> Messiah. That would really be a feat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so I believe that this is the key, this humility thing. Uh, it's admirable and it's required, actually, to truly have a soul that magnifies the Lord. Because if you're magnifying yourself, you got no time to magnify the Lord. That's right. And that's really... What it boils down to, and that's all of Jesus's message. But you know, pride is is one of the most prolific sins that that permeates throughout all of Christendom. For me, pride pride is uh, the father of all sin. Mm. I think all sin comes from pride, whether or not 
you know, and we have addictions, we have all that stuff, but it always starts with me first. Yeah, fulfilling yourself. Fulfilling in some yourself. Way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that yeah, pride is pride is the opposite of of uh, of godliness. Yeah, right of righteousness. And I guess one side of of pride that I think is important to focus on that we generally don't we ignore it so much. I mean, we want to talk about when we talk about sins and the most heinous sins that we commit as Christians. Everyone wants to go to the sexual ones, yeah. mainly because those are the uh, the taboo ones. Obvious, yeah. Right? But in reality, if if I ask you, what, what are you struggling with right now? If you said pornography, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand you, brother. Bro. You know, I mean, it, it it's like that's where we feel like... Um, Oh, dude, you're really dealing with some some dark stuff, and and we're gonna try and fix that. But if you say I'm dealing with, I'm struggling with pride, kind of blow it off. Everybody's like, yeah, so yeah, okay. We all struggle with pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, that's not a big deal. I mean, that's kind of how we treat it, right? You know, it's it's not that big of a deal, but it's really a big deal. And otherwise, we wouldn't have all these books in the Bible specifically talking about them. Like, if you look at the sins that are addressed in the Bible most. Pride is number one. Self-righteousness. That's right. That whole concept of, of self-proclaimed religiosity, that is addressed in the New Testament more than any other sin. That's right. And that is that tells us it's important to God. Yeah. And, and part of the reason why it's so important is because it is so elusive, mm. because we do overlook it. But these women, man, they've got this complete understanding of being humble before God. Yeah. Like Mary's not going, well, of course he picked me. Like, yeah, no, no doubt. I'm the homecoming queen or whatever, you know? (laughs) I mean, like she's not Mrs. Popularity. She, by the way, if we look at most historians and theologians believe that she was probably 15, 16 years old during this time. And the maturity that she shows in her humbleness, is staggering. Yeah. Like, how many 15-year-old girls do you know that aren't focused on themselves? Yeah. I mean, that's just, and and that's not to to slam on any of you 15-year-old girls that might be tuning in to a theological podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But you're all full of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm I'm saying is that's, that's a natural progression of life. That we sure. that we all that we all deal with. Sure. I mean, we we are trying to 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 make sure everyone sees us in a good light. I mean, and that's just how we are. And that's what that's what starts us down this road. And then you have to compete with others, and et cetera, et cetera. And you end up lifting yourselves up. Well, what these girls are showing here, I say girls. Elizabeth obviously isn't a girl anymore, but like a young girl. But they're they're dealing with. With big issues, and they're humbled in front of it. Huge issues, when you think about it. So imagine you're, in in this culture, imagine you're 15, 16 years old, mm. and you get pregnant. Oh, no. I mean, in in, in 21st century America, <clears throat> it's, it's taboo to get pregnant at 16 years old when you're not married. Right. Right? And take that back 2,000 years to the... To uh, biblical Palestine, mm-hmm. right during during the time of, of Rome, and and see how they you know see how they treat it. 
especially if you're growing up in an Orthodox Jewish yes. community. Which which still dealt with betrothals. So Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Right. And so obviously, what does Joseph think? I mean, that would have been really difficult because yeah. you're a betrothal is treated like a marriage. Right. Like you are basically married to the guy without the fringe benefits. Exactly. And so it's 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 like um when you find out that your betrothed is pregnant, what's well, obviously not mine. <laughs> yeah. So uh you have a choice. And so we read in scripture that Joseph chose the the nice thing to do, which mm-hmm. was to cut off the betrothal quietly, right? Mm-hmm. So what would be the not nice thing to do? Think about that for a second. Stoner. Stoner to death. <laughs> so imagine you're Mary, and that's why I'm amazed by this whole story, because if we go back to the beginning of it, the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, hey, you're, you're going you're gonna to have a kid. Imagine 16-year-old Mary going, well, okay, I mean, I'll do as the Lord wills, right? Yeah. But... Are you really excited to do what the Lord wills at the beginning there? Oh, man. I don't think she was. It didn't sound like it. No, it doesn't. In fact, it sounds like, okay, all right, I, I guess I'll I'll carry this. you know. But then she's immediately, her mind's going to different things. And I think that's the reason why she visits Elizabeth. Yeah, she's trying to figure, all, all, figure it out. Exactly. But the moment Elizabeth talks to her in the way that Elizabeth talks to her, mm-hmm. you know, who am I that I'm blessed to be met with? She feels like... I have this woman in my corner. I have, like, this is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. This is a blessed thing for me. Yeah. And then immediately breaks out in the song. Yeah. So let's talk about the song a little bit. Yeah. Um, I want to look at it in reverse, simply because I think the most, the most beautiful part of Mary's soul comes out in the very first of the song. Yeah. But because of that, I want to start at the back of the song and work our way up okay. because um, she sings about God's holiness. That's the bulk of the song, as we said before. So if we look at what it is that she's saying about God, um, she talks about God being a proponent for the weak. Like yeah. that's her focus in the song. Um, verse 50, the first part of that says, and his mercy is for those who fear him. Okay, so basically... She's equating mercy and fear, like right. which fear is a humbling thing. I mean, if you're if you're proud, you're not fearful. Um, so th- so once she's she's starting from this place of 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 weakness or fear, um, and in verse f- fifty two, she says, "He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, <laughs> and exalted those of humble estate." So it's like this dichotomy of those that lift themselves up. He's going to tear down, and those that that abase themselves, he's going to lift up. Yeah, sounds familiar. Runs that that type of of message runs all throughout Scripture, right? Um, it's, but, yeah, it's messianic. Yes, so it's it's the idea of of what they expected the Messiah to do, and it is exactly what Jesus right. did. Uh, Philippians four, you know, or Philippians five, when uh, it's talking about Jesus. Humbled himself. He didn't think it robbery to be called the son of God. Like, I mean, he could have had that name. He could have had that throne on earth. Right. But instead, he chose to be a servant. He chose to humble himself. 
and it says, likewise, you should be of the same mind. Hmm. And uh, so that's, you know, that's, that message just goes all throughout. Verse 53, she says, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he sent away empty. Hmm. So, um, so she's talking about how, how God is holy, because this is how his holiness expresses itself. Like, he is holy by lifting up those that are weak. Right. Filling the bellies of those that are poor. Like, that's how he is righteous. And so she magnifies his greatness by how he blesses the afflicted. Like, if you are great, you can actually boast of yourself in many ways. Right. But if you're not, like, if you if you have nothing, the only thing you got is God. And we see this, like, when we go to Haiti. It's so cool because these people that we meet down there don't have anything. Yeah. And they just, but they magnify God. And, you know, it's so cool because it's this dichotomy. It's like, how can they magnify God whenever it doesn't seem that he's blessing them? Well, he's not blessing them in a physical way, but man, he's blessing them in a spiritual way. Uh, one of our, our favorite uh, pastors down there that we, that, we, that we meet with is Pastor Junior, who oftentimes doesn't have enough food to eat. Yeah. He lives in the, he's turned his house into a church building. He sleeps on the pews, which is nothing more than just a bench made out of wood. Right. He's, he, he and his wife throw a mattress over two pews pushed together. Like, this is what the guy does. And, and so it's like, God has blessed that church. Like, it is exalted. He is lifting up that man because that man has humbled himself. Mm. And so that's how God gets all the credit. Like, God magnifies his greatness by blessing the afflicted. Okay, so then let's back up a little more in Mary's song. She sings about how God's blessed her. And this is an expression of what she of what we just talked about. She sees herself as afflicted. She sees herself as of low esteem. She sees herself as someone who's not worthy right. to carry this kind of responsibility. And because whenever you're in a play, a mindset of that, whenever you think of yourself as less than others or less than uh, deserving, then whenever you do receive a blessing, man, it's a blessing. Like it's, it really lifts you up. And, and that's why she burst out in the song. So verse 48 and 49. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and read verse 48 and 49 again. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So uh, her understanding of how God expresses his holiness becomes evident in her own life. Right. Like that's how she understands God's holiness is because he is blessing others that don't have anything. And lifts up those that are humbled. And so her expression, her understanding is based on how God is blessing her. Right. Like that's how she knows that God is great. Because he's coming to her. Yeah. And I think Amen. that's that's really, really cool. 
um, that she says, he's looked on the humble estate of his servant and behold, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Um, now, this, this statement <clears throat> uh, gets used a lot. Generations will call you blessed. We'll call her blessed. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about what is meant in this. Uh, first off, the word that's translated as blessed can be translated happy. It's the same word, right? And so, uh, and so, basically, what she's saying is that people will see that God did something great to a lowly person. That's what she's saying. She's not saying from now on everyone's going to lift me up. She's not saying that. What she's saying is that everyone will see me as someone who's lowly and. Because of that, they'll glorify God because he's blessed me and made me happy in right. this. Which is, if Mary could see what the church over the years has done with her Ugh. and her image, I think she would be appalled. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of that comes in from the cult of Mary, which is the veneration of Mary to begin with is a messed up theology. Uh, the Immaculate Conception. When right. people say Immaculate Conception, they're not referring to the conception Jesus, of Jesus. Right. They're actually referring to the conception of Mary, and there are some that took it. They So here's a theological break here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they took it to the nth degree because they, they thought that, well, Jesus can't be born of a human woman because that would screw up his divinity in some way. So obviously Mary had to have been immaculately conceived. And if Mary was immaculately conceived, in other words, didn't have a mama or father, uh, <laughs> but was came down on a sheet or something like that. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> I've heard that one. Um, anyways, well, I think the book of Luke actually comes right out and, and right. And, uh, and defies that because the generations of Jesus is listed and it goes through Mary. It doesn't exactly. go through Joseph. Exactly. It goes so, to her father. But Eli, Eli. What, what happens with that is we start quote unquote venerating. So there are people that that view Mary as more important in a lot of ways than her son Jesus. Yeah. And we're not trying to do that. That's not the message here. No. And that's Thanks. not what Mary Mary was saying. And if she were here, you know, listen to what she's saying. Yeah. She's she, a humble person. She would be disgusted. Yeah. And so um if we if we stop and, and think a little bit about this Mary veneration type of thing and what the scriptures actually say about Mary, um, you know, one of the things that's that's out there is that Mary was sinless. Yeah. There's no scriptural backing for that. There's uh, Mary ascended into heaven. There's no scriptural backing for that. Mary was a uh, perpetual virgin. That's not in the scriptures. And not only that, but there's a book by her one of her sons named James. <laughs> Hello. And Jude. Oh, yeah. Jude. I forgot Jude. Don't forget that one. Yeah. So, uh, nuts. whose actual name was Judas, but everyone wants to kind of forget that. Because, sure. Uh, Let's change it. Yeah. Oh, I gotta change my name now. Oh. So, okay. So, <laughs> so about this Mary veneration thing, we wanted to talk about it just a little bit, just because I do believe it actually goes right, it flies right into the face of who Mary really was. Sure. Uh, Jesus himself actually addressed it, believe it or not. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. What did he say about so, Mary? Okay, so Luke 11, verse 27 to 28, uh, he is uh, in the middle of a, of a crowd preaching, and it says there, as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so Jesus isn't tearing down his mom. And not that's not the only time. We can go a couple more times when when somebody says your parent your mom's outside, right? Yes. yes. And what does he say? My mother and father are, you know, those you guys. Yeah, those who do my, my father's will. Right. And then I even have I think I have evidence of Mary sinning in scripture. <laughs> Honestly. How's that? Um it, uh, people might disagree with me a little bit, but <laughs> Jesus's first miracle. Think about it for a second. Yeah. They're at the wedding in Cana, mm-hmm. right? Water into wine. There's water. Mary tells her son, "Hey, you know, Help us out here. What is her purpose behind that? When you think about it, hmm. what's her goal? Pride. <laughs> Whoa! Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, think about that. And and Jesus even chastised her, woman. My time has not yet come. Right. right. But then he does her will. Yeah. But is that? I mean, that's it's got it. When Jesus chastised you, I mean. Couldn't you look at that as maybe, um, I don't know, falling short yeah. a little bit? That is now, interesting. Yeah, just a thought. But anyways. Well, and, you know, the the, the other verse that you had mentioned is in Luke oh, 8. Oh, sorry, I took that from you. No, that's fine. Luke 8, 19 and 21 is where that story is, if you guys want to look that up, where they, they're basically saying, hey, your brothers and your mother want to know where you're at. And he's right. basically saying, hey, look, they're no more important than you are. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was... Th- you know, Jesus is definitely not raising his mother up on a theological pedestal no. or on a spiritual pedestal. Have you ever heard the... I got to tell this joke. You ever okay. heard this joke? I, I'm going to come in the middle of it. Sorry, okay, but go, it's hilarious. Go. So, you know, Jesus, uh, he's with that, the woman who gets caught in the middle of adultery, right? Yes. This is, by the way, this is the... This is the veneration of Mary version of the story. So Jesus is with that woman who got caught in the middle of adultery and does the whole thing right in under blah, blah, blah. And he stands up and he says, let he use with that sin throw the first stone. And so they start going away, oldest to youngest, right? But then this old lady wades through the crowd with this gigantic rock. <laughs> and she slams it on the, the lady. And Jesus says, oh, mom. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Anyways, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that chapter's not in the Bible. No. But, Sorry, didn't mean to get you off traffic, but I, I always think well, But here's another thing. Don't take us wrong. No. Protestants do this too, by the way. Yeah. Protestants want to go so far away from Mary veneration that they almost forget her. Amen. And Luke obviously does not do that. The writer of this letter loves this woman. You can tell it. You can hear it in his narratives. This woman is important. She is worthy of love um, and worthy of respect, worthy of honor. There's a reason why God chose Mary. Yes. And, and I think it, it all fits back to her humility yeah. and her desire to simply 
serve God. Which brings us to the first of her song. Yeah. Which to me is the most important part of the song. Her spiritual beauty just reaches its peak here at the very beginning of the song. The first thing she says in Luke 1, verse 46, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So um, first off, I want to ask the question, how does a soul (laughs) magnify the Lord? Now, my voice can magnify the Lord by simply saying, you're great, you're magnificent, and praising Him. But how does a soul Mm. magnify the Lord? And I think that it's tied to what she says next. Mm. My And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So I don't think that she's necessarily... She's not necessarily vocalizing a silent prayer because, okay, so, okay, let's go back just a second. How do you know what my soul is doing? You can't. You can't know. Right. My soul is communicating with God, yeah. not you. Right. And so it is a silent communication between you and God. And so... um when she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, it is an expression of the joy that she's feeling in the spirit with God. Amen. It's the closeness that she's feeling with God. It is the, the she's a daughter. She's a husband. She's, she is, or she's a wife. She's a, she is in such a close bond with God that her spirit rejoices over it. And I think that is uh, really cool when you think about it because there are tons of scriptures that talk about glorifying God and even command us to glorify God, right. to, to magnify God, to lift Him up and all this. And if we just l- read it as a list of commands of things to do, then it becomes rel- religion and nothing more. Um because it's just going through the motions. But that's not really how a soul magnifies. So we could all get caught up into how we glorify God or how we magnify God. But the bottom line is, and this is good news, the good news is it's the rejoicing in it yes. that makes it magnification. Hmm. Like when she says, my spirit rejoices in the Lord, that's how your soul magnifies the Lord. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're hitting the right notes. It doesn't matter if, you know, when you're singing. I, I'm sure, I, in fact, I would bet that her song was probably not all that pretty. <laughs> because she's making it up on the go. She, <laughs> but it's beautiful sure. to God. And it's beautiful to those of us who see her her see who sees her soul in it like and sees her rejoicing yeah in it for me it's a picture of pure joy it's, it's i don't know if you've ever been in that state where you're just jubilant about something mm. but immediately it's 
it's amazing how God makes us the natural reaction when we have pure joy is just to break out in song. <laughs> um, a good good idea of this is in the Old Testament um, mural when as soon as they're they cross the Red Sea. Miriam, yes. Miriam, okay. not yeah. Muriel. Miriam. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, this is some woman I don't know yet. <laughs> no, Miriam. As soon as they cross the yes. Red Sea and she cries out, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Yes. Right? It's that picture of, wow. Like, I am, I am, uh, I am purely rejoicing in God. It's finding that, yeah, that, heart song. She grabs a handful of girls and the tambourines and just goes crazy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's so cool. It's beautiful. And that's exactly what Mary does here. Mm-hmm. In the midst of something that is staggering that God asks her to do. Yeah. To me, it's still staggering that God asks her to carry this baby for nine months being a virgin, not even married yet, and deliver in in these, these times. Mm. And this is not an easy thing. The the Christmas cards get it all wrong. The the birth at Bethlehem wasn't this pretty little I don't know if you've ever seen a birth, but it's nasty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not something easy. And in the midst of that, she is crying out, going, I will sing unto the Lord. Yeah. Right? And it's beautiful for us to get out here and to do we do this living nativity yes. out here. And uh and it's it's you know awesome. We got lights and it's all pretty and everyone's posing. But in reality, like you said, it was a dirty thing. And even stables in that time right. weren't barns, so to speak, as you always see your little nativity that you have sitting on your Christmas, you know, mantle or whatever right. is not a true depiction uh-uh. of what was going on. They it was a cave. It was like Nasty, dirty, um, you know. I mean, so anyway, but the point is that she shined through all that. Amen. With because her soul was rejoicing, uh, she also does something similar uh, that I think I think is the spirit of the Old Testament. But she is a uh, obviously she was a, a Jewish. Uh, girl, she had been raised with the scriptures, and she knew all this stuff. And uh, there's a good example of a similar thing that happens with Hannah. So Hannah has uh, a baby after praying to God over and over and over. Shit. She's barren, can't have a baby, and her she makes a vow to God that basically says, "If you give me a baby, I'll just give him back to you. Right? Like all I want is the baby. Yeah, and I'll I'll give him back. And so God answers that prayer." Um, and and gives her Eli. Yeah. Um, and she does exactly what she promised. Right. She took him to the priest and basically gave him back. Made him little priest clothes. Yeah. I love that story. <laughs> but when she receives this gift, she does the same thing Mary does. She breaks into song. Right. And she sings a song that is very, it's almost scary how... Really similar. How how close it is to it because right. it's all about God's veneration yeah. and it's all about God's uh, goodness and uh, and so all, I don't think Mary's plagiarizing here I don't think she's um, I don't think she's trying to quote, quote scripture mm-hmm. in her song this is genuine this is something that is coming straight out of her heart but it's just cool that it is an echo of the same type of thing and 
once again, it goes back to why I love these women right. in the Bible, because they have this emotional craziness for God. And, uh, and so I love the fact that, that she starts this song by saying that her soul magnifies the Lord, because I think that should be the goal of all of us. We all, our souls need to magnify God. And she tells us basically what, it, what you need to make that happen. You got to love him. You got to humble yourself in such a way that you love what he's doing in your life and you rejoice in it. And which, which means it's not a bunch of work we have to try and figure out how to do. It is about finding the heart for God and giving all of it up. Amen. So that's what I think that, that uh, is the basis of this study is trying to get our souls to magnify the way Mary's did here. Powerful. And well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right, so you got some news? Yeah, let's do it. And now, the news. Last Thursday night, a Democratic senator announced that the repeal for the Johnson Amendment, which would allow churches to endorse political candidates without losing their tax-exempt status, was being struck down from the GOP tax bill. The repeal was blocked by the citing uh, by citing the Bird Rule, which says reconciliation bills cannot contain ex- uh, extraneous provisions that don't deal with fiscal policy. President Trump has long positioned the repeal as a way to support religious freedom in America. He had characterized it as his personal contribution to the faith. I think maybe that this will be my greatest, greatest. Contribution (laughs) to Christianity and other religions is to allow when you talk religious liberty to go and speak openly. And if you like somebody or want somebody to represent you, you should have the right to do it, he said. So that got struck down. So they're trying to sneak that into the the tax bill. (laughs) And it got struck down. Why? Stop it. (laughs) Just quit it, buddy. It's like, I mean, I don't mind the, I don't mind that measure right but quit trying to stack it into other things (laughs) of course they're gonna try that that's that's half the fun (laughs) john legend sneak this in here john legend will star as jesus in nbc's upcoming jesus christ superstar event (laughs) jesus christ superstar is next up in nbc's live musical events and they're netting they're netted they netted the right men to fill the biggest sandals in history John Legend will star as the Messiah, and frankly, we're on board. This is from uh, Relevant Magazine, by the way. Uh, we're all overjoyed to have world-class musician, uh, musical artist and producer John Legend starring as Jesus, said Robert Greenblatt, chairman of NBC Entertainment. This score demands a singer with an amazing range and an actor with great depth, and there isn't anyone better to bring the story to a new audience. His casting is also groundbreaking as the traditional image of Christ will be seen in a new way. This will give Legend the opportunity to land an Emmy Award and uh, the final jewel in his nearly completed EGOT. That's Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, crown. I'm thrilled to join the cast of the production of Jesus Christ Superstar Live in Concert, Legend said. It's such a powerful, meaningful musical, and I'm humbled to be part of the performance. We've already performed. formed an incredible team and as we finish casting i'm certain we will put together some of the greatest talents around to do this work uh justice 
One thing for sure, Chrissy's tweets are going to be a wonder to behold. <laughs> Whatever. Not, okay, anyway, nice. so, yeah, John Legend is going to be Jesus Christ Superstar. So what they're saying is they're going to make Jesus black. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, plenty of people have been making him white for years. Amen so. to that. <laughs> I guess whatever. <laughs> okay, if you grew up in a CCM-loving household, that's contemporary Christian music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the 90s, then Carmen needs no introduction. Have you ever heard of Carmen? Uh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. My wife would slap you right in the face. Carmen is an opera by Bizet. No, you need to Google. Okay. No, this is seri- legitly what you need to do as soon as we are finished recording. I don't know if that's going to happen. You have to go on YouTube and you have to watch Carmen because it is the funniest, <laughs> cheesiest, <laughs> most horrible music <laughs> of all time. Period. My wife loves it. She revels in Carmen. Oh my gosh. If you don't know who he is, then well it's a he? Yes, Carmen. Well, it's a little hard to explain. It's sort of like love, which is what has have visited the single name singer who is himself single no longer, having announced on Facebook that he married Dana Luciadello. Okay. <laughs> Last weekend, so Carmen got married. Oh my gosh. Look at him. He's so happy. He and his wife. Wow. That's him right there, by the way. His goal was to, oh my gosh. He's, I, oh. I don't know why I don't know this guy. How do you this. not know Carmen? Oh. No idea. I cannot wait until we're done with this episode just so you can YouTube it. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. The mayor of Nazareth just canceled Christmas in the city. The hometown of Jesus Christ is officially <laughs> stopping all planned public Christmas festivities and a big Christmas market that was in the works. Because of the number of tourists who typically visit the city during the Christmas season, the decision could have a significant economic impact in the area. The city's mayor, uh, Al- Ali Salam, explained to the Times of Israel that the move is a response to President Donald Trump's recent announcement that the United States will officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and move the American embassy there. The decision has been controversial throughout parts of the region where Jerusalem is among the area that is contested by Jewish and Arab communities. Salem told the paper, Our identity and faith aren't up for debate. The decision by Donald Trump has taken away the joy of the holiday, and we will thus cancel the festivities this year. Christmas is canceled. (laughs) We're done with the Christmas and the ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know why I broke into uh, (laughs) a... What's his name (laughs) there? But I did. Okay, uh, anyways. All right. Oh, my gosh. I can't even read this one. R.C. Sproul passed away. Oh, yes, he did, didn't he? 78 years old. Now, I'm not even going to read the article. I'm just going to tell you, R.C. Sproul is responsible for half of my theological comprehension. Mm. Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind with R.C. Sproul is one of the best apologetic radio shows ever. Period. I mean, absolutely blew my mind. His, his, uh, His theological 
comprehension. And not just that, but the way that he was able to take these heady theological thoughts and arguments and bring them down to a level that I could understand made me who In I am as a 20 minute today. segments. Right. It's unbelievable. Think about that. Yeah. So anyways, our I always scroll, wanted to see what he was writing on that board though. Yeah. Could hear the chalk working, you know, you know, and that's the cool thing. I mean, he invited us into a seminary class and he did this. Yeah. Renewing your mind thing. And so, uh, yeah. Anyways, every time I hear a chalkboard, I'll think of or our Bach. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. But uh so RC, you will be missed. Thank you for all your wonderful theology and I hope that you are enjoying your savior Jesus. Yeah. That's good news. Absolutely awesome. So, He's having a better time. Now. That's right. And I got uh, some popa news. Uh, oh, I don't even have my button. Here. Brothers and sisters, come together. Wow, we haven't heard that song in a while. The Pope says, no more with the Lord's Prayer already. It is a terrible <laughs> thing. In fact, <laughs> we must change it right now. <laughs> Somebody give me a pizza pie. <laughs> this is what he has said. He has said that uh, the Lord's Prayer is wrongfully <laughs> worded because it, it makes God seem like somebody who would lead us into temptation. How dare a God uh, lead us into temptation? Wow. He has said... <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Thank you. <laughs> that instead, we should change the words from the Lord's Prayer to, and help us get out of temptation, <laughs> instead of, and lead us not into temptation. Therefore, making it seem as if God is some tyrant who leads us to sin. Oh, oh man. So saith the Pope, so saith the word of God on earth. Wow. So he's serious. Yeah, he is very serious about this. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. Yeah, he's serious. It's all over the news, man. Uh, New York Times, Washington Post is the latest one I pulled up. But he's very, yeah, he was in an interview and he said that the Lord's Prayer, he doesn't think was rightly worded because <laughs> God doesn't lead us into temptation. And but that's I, a misunderstanding of what Jesus is actually saying. And that's what he's saying. That's why he's saying it's wrongfully worded. He said that they're misunderstanding, and people can get a misunderstanding of what what. Well, that's Jesus true, is saying but the that. Greek is the Greek. So, I mean, it is what he says, but it's but he mean, but it's like, I don't know, he's, he's missing the point of what he's saying. When he says, lead us, it's talking about like... Lead us in a direction away from temptation. Yeah. Is lead what he's us saying. Not into yes. temptation. He's not saying Don't lead us into temptation. Don't lead us into temptation. Lead us in a direction away from temptation is what he's saying. Right. Uh oh. I just anyway. think that he's he's worried about his flock misunderstanding that. How many years have we had that? <laughs> well, you gotta think, they say that every single time they meet together. That's so it's true. a big deal for them, right? Mm -hmm. So they they quote it just like they quote the Hail Marys and everything else. So for him, it's a big deal to make make it so, sound like. Here's a good question for the Pope: What about Thy Kingdom come on earth as is in heaven? Yeah. Ooh, because you could argue that's already happened. It has already happened. Yes. His kingdom is on earth. It's called Je the church. Jesus <laughs> prayed that prior to his death. And 
in any way, Jesus has only given us an example of how to pray. That's what he says. He comes around and says, after this manner should you pray. So we shouldn't quote it every time we meet together. <laughs> I've done it all It kind of goes right against exactly what he said before <laughs> he said that. Vain repetitions? Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy now, buddy. Easy now. He's a the Pope. I remember that. He has the keys of the heaven, and he cannot send you straight to hell. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're going straight to hell for that one. <laughs> oh, the Pope. Okay. The Pontiff. <laughs> the Pontificator. Anyways, that's all I got, dude. That's all you got? <laughs> that's it. All right. Merry flippin' Christmas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> let's take it you ready to go. Yeah, let's do this. All right, let's get out of here. The Theonauts. The Theonauts okay. <laughs> the are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go in all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and, find, and stay up to date with all of our other shows like Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our websites at thetheonotpodcast.com for show notes and outlines, okay? Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us, because it helps us reach a bigger audience, eh? <laughs> Thank you, Mario. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on the Twitter thing. Yep, using that theonauts or theonautical. <laughs> like us on the Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash theonauts. If you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. By the way, we've had some of our patrons upping the ante. Thank you for your monies. Yes, they they, <laughs> they just keep pushing the, the envelope. We love it. So jump on board, guys. Yes. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of what God has word with us. All right. Pope, thanks for being here. <laughs> I'm an apatriot first to feel this thing. This has been God the bless. Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments <laughs> at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. They're possibly cloning an army of giant Al-Qaeda guys. Uh...